Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Records, where albums are exchanged to be dismantled, compared, and studied. We are your hosts, Emily and Jen, and welcome to today's episode, where we're talking about Haim's third and latest release, Women in Music Part 3, and the main sixth and beloved album, Lovely Little Lonely. So tell me your first impressions um, on both albums, because I know you were a little new to Women in Music Part 3 as well, right? Yes. So, I mean, I guess I'll start with Lovely Little Lonely. Um, I have heard songs from the main before because you've sent them to me. I know that they're a really near and dear band to your heart. So I've heard I've heard them before. I've definitely never listened to an album all the way through by them before. So, I mean, first impression was that I I had this perception I guess of this band and like sometimes when you when you look at a genre and this is this is what I'm learning through doing this when you look at a genre you have preconceived notions about what it's going to be like or what feeling you're going to get from something and then when you really start to break down an album and like write about it and listen to it and really think about what these what these songs mean um, it takes on a whole new meaning. This was so cool. And what I really loved was it was unlike anything that I've ever heard before, which is what I'm really starting to realize is that there's such big differentiators between these bands in this genre of music. And I had never really been able to do that or to think that way before starting this podcast so that's kind of my first impression about this album is it it was it was first of all it was really 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 good um I did a full listen through and then did without writing anything and then did another listen through um and just wrote notes track by track so and I just kind of wanted to get a feel for it before I really started diving into the meaning and the and the lyrics but it's so good and it's so different than the neck deep. I don't know if you would put this in the same category, like the same genre, would you? I mean, I think they're in the same scene. And I think that's the funny part is a lot of people do tend to kind of look at it from an outside perspective and think that, you know, oh, these are going to be similar. Like, I'm sure, I mean, look at a warp tour, like neck deep and the main have definitely played shows together. I don't know if they would on a smaller they might, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Um, but they're so different, and there's there's just so many like points of depth that go beyond the pop punk like label. And I think that's so fun. And I think the main is one of those bands in particular that just like stretches yeah. what anyone would think. Yes, they definitely push a little bit more outside of the pop punk genre than I thought that Neck Deep did. Like, yes, I agree with that. And because I think there, you know, there's levels of it too, where Neck Deep is going to be a, a pop punk band. And when you start to look at the main, like, yeah, because of their origins and where they kind of like the circles they run in, they do get put in that, in that vein of like genre. But then you listen and where, you know, where do you really put them at the end? Like, they're a little indie, they're a little pop punk, they're a little pop. 
they're kind of all over the place. Yeah. And maybe I wonder, that just makes me think this is just a random thought. I wonder if fans feel stuck when they get put in a specific genre and they feel a little isolated, like they can't move outside that box. I'm sure that artists and bands feel that way. And that's sometimes, you know, you don't want to lose a fan base that you created based upon one album that was a big hit. And then you want to try something new that's a little bit outside that realm. Like that must be hard. I think it's always a risk. The growth thing that we've seen from a lot of different people has like proved that, you know, even if you end up losing a whole original fan base, you might end up with something new that you didn't think was going to come along. Yeah, that's which is true. good and bad. Yeah, I guess overall, this listening to this album has definitely like expanded my palette of of music that I would introduce into my life because I'm I'm being not being forced to do to do this, but having this project is really like making me think. Oh, I'm not going to skip over this just because I know I know the band is part of this genre. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that because I think there are these like weird diamonds and that are just like so unique and I think the main is right. one of them. And I think Lovely Little Lonely in particular is just this piece that really defined them as artists, true artists. Yeah. Definitely. I think um as far as women in music part three goes, I, it was funny because, yeah, and I told you, I, I hadn't really delved into it. And really the, the songs that I had listened to the most were the songs that they came out with before the album even was released. Yeah, they ended up being bonus tracks, right? Tracks on the album, yeah. Um, so that was cool. And I, th those were my, those are my first impression songs, which is hilarious because those songs really don't follow the story of the rest of the songs on the album. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so they're just kind of like random little blips. Um, so that was my first impression of the album. And then my first listen through before I had even given you this album, um, when it first came out. I was like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Mm. It's hard to listen to almost. Like there's and we'll get we'll get into it more when we talk about the songs, but they also took a lot of risks in their songs and their songwriting and the musicality of everything. And some songs are not like easy listening songs. Some songs are like harsher and like just the sounds they're using, you're like, what is going on? Like um, so my very, very, very first impression, I couldn't, I was just like changing song to song to see if I could find something familiar mm -hmm. because I loved this band and I loved their past two albums. So none of this, except for maybe one or two songs on this album resembled anything I was familiar with. And then obviously like having to go back through I had to really say to myself, okay, we'll take this album and this and and these this band as and separate it from what you already know and take it for what it is. And then I was able to find things that I really, really, really enjoyed. And then reading about 
how they put the album together and like they have notes for each track that they wrote and really like looking at those notes and seeing what they wrote about the songs gave me like a whole newfound just respect for them as artists which I already had but it goes back to the same point I made earlier which was this was totally a risk for them to take and definitely a play on the name of the album which you know women I forget who said it I think it was um oh was it Danielle that had the dream is that what you're talking yeah. about yeah yeah it was Danielle she had a dream and she just kept seeing women in music everywhere um and you know the whole theme really of this album and the whole purpose and behind it really is that their whole lives that they've been musicians and been touring together they've been asked what it's like to be a, a band of all women and um they're like this is old news dude like <laughs> we're, we're musicians like we're not just women in music we're musicians so i kind of like that it's like a, a throw it in your face title yeah um, which is cool because then you've got all these crazy songs where they just did such crazy things like musically that is nothing like they did on their past two albums. And they were just like, it's like a big fuck you to the music industry. Like, yeah, we are women in music. And like, here's an album that you don't expect. That's so funny because this was definitely my introduction into Haim. I hadn't, I don't think I had heard anything before because I did go back and I listened to the ones that I like knew they were singles, but I really, <laughs> I really resisted them for a long time until now because I always just like associated them with the whole Taylor Swift friendship, which is funny to link it back to, you know, last episode because my thoughts on her have changed so much this year. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that I got the opportunity to explore Heim because I, they were not at all what I thought in my head. So I think um, it's interesting to come in on this album hearing that you you think that this was like a major turning point and like a, a different thing for them. Yeah, their past albums, I'll, I'll gift them to you at some <laughs> point because um, they're really, really good. It's just in a different way. Yeah. And yeah, this album is just so, so cool. Well, I didn't like everything as much as I liked this, like I loved this album. I awesome. loved it. I had two seconds of like second thought because I heard that, that initial saxophone and I got nervous <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, what is this? And there's kind of an odd initial drum beat that goes along with it. Um, and then it kicks right into Los Angeles and I, was immediately swept away and I actually like listened to the whole thing in one go the first time that I heard it I like set off to grow to the grocery store and I ended up like walking around the neighborhood and listened to the whole thing the sun was going down it was perfect that sounds amazing I just like loved it um it just took me right away and I think that like as soon as I got home I was like looking 
to see who they were as people because I was so interested. They're like, oh my God, okay, they're they're so different than what I thought they were going to be musically. And then I was like, oh, well, I need to know about them. And it was immediately jumping into interviews and articles about this album in particular. Um, and I was just so taken with like how weird they are, <laughs> how relatable <laughs> they are. I um, just like, I was just laughing because I think the youngest sister, Alana, she's, I think she's only like a year older than us, but she yeah. could have worked at a certain cupcake shop. I spent a lot of my time at and I just was like, so happy to to make a friend in that way i think that was it was just like oh i just feel like i could sit down to coffee with them so easily i love that that's that's such a great takeaway and yes that's that's you know how i feel about about them as people you know and as musicians is that they are incredible and it's it's like I'm proud of them in a way for putting this album out. Yes. Because um, me too, like as soon as I started listening to them and Megan, my wife, is really into them as well. And she's the one who introduced me to this band. Oh, um, okay. We, we both were like immediately like, oh, hell yeah. Like this is this is great. Yeah. And same thing. We dived into videos and interviews trying to understand like who they were, which I think is such an important thing to do when you really are taken by a band to to see you know how they talk about their music and who they are as people yes okay. yep behind the curtain like I want to see who's making this art and why they're making it yeah well what parallels did you find between these albums did you find any so I did and I think it's funny because I wasn't expecting it um, when I did the listen through of Women in Music, I didn't end it and necessarily think of anything drawn to Lovely Little Lonely, um, which is an album I know very well. So it took me to listen to Lovely Little Lonely and then think about everything after with that fresh listen. Um, and I picked up that it was interesting that they both have this like point in the album and they're both kind of in the middle which is funny that they they touch on dreams mm. um and i love that i i thought that was like a cool thing um but i mean there's i think there's a lot of album uh like references to each other that are weaved through that are very much like being on your own and mm -hmm. navigating things on your own um relationships but like not just the normal like overt themes. I think there's there's some like weird quirks that can be found in both. Um, they they definitely were an interesting mix. What did you find? I had to go back and re-listen to both albums again recently to be like, okay, like really, where are the parallels? Because they are so different. Yes automatically through the first listens um but loneliness was definitely just the biggest theme for me because in obviously in lovely little lonely like lonely is in the title mm -hmm. um but then the way that it's kind of conveyed throughout the album is really similar to the way that it's conveyed throughout women in music 
Um, like you're running from it. Yeah. But also like, it's such a prevalent theme yeah. of your life. And I love that both bands kind of talked about that. Um, and it's, it's kind of like a weird topic. So I, I liked that. And then same thing, I pulled relationships as well. Because I agree. I think that both albums talk about your unconventional kind of like messy relationship, like the hardships of it. Yeah. Just like traditional love song or, you know, everything's going right in the world and this is amazing. Like you would get in like a sugary pop song or something. So I really enjoyed that both, both musicians, both bands, they did something more interesting around that theme. Cause that's, I mean, like every, almost every album that you listen to, you'll pick a relationship song out of it. Sure. And so, you know, it's always interesting to see what someone does with that. Well, and I think they both took off the rose colored glasses and you're looking at certain points where it is messy. I think that's a great word to describe some of like the, the little instances that you see the, like the peaks into um, the different relationships that they're kind of writing about. There are these like weird instances that are, aren't overtly like my heart's broken, but it's more of like a very specified feeling. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a great way to describe that. Yeah. Well, do we want to dive into (laughs) one of my very favorite albums, Lovely Little Lonely, then? We'll do that one first. Yes. So what was your gem? My gem? I feel like you'll be like, what? Mm, Okay. But I I chose Lost in Nostalgia. (laughs) Are you you allowed? Because it's mine, too. (laughs) It is? It's incredible. different mm-hmm. like um, different than anything i've ever heard before yeah their bait the bass in the song is killer. yes it's so good i'm i'm i love good bass and that's that's a good one for you then that's it's a boppy little short lived tune like it's not very no long. no it's a tiny but it's just like I, I my heart it just it's like what I, it's kind of like the perfect sonic match to like a dreamscape. Yes, that's so good. Yeah, that's a great way to describe There's it. just something that's like not, re- not real about it. And yeah, I think that's what intrigues me about this song. Yeah, when you said like, when you say dreamscape, I just imagine this person like, you know, when you see someone like spinning into space. Yes. That's what I imagine when I'm hearing this yes. song. And I just, I think it captures the feeling of being lost in nostalgia so well, the way that it's written. It's just so cool. Yeah, I agree with that. And it does, like, it is a nostalgia rather than lost in a dreamscape. And I think nostalgia can kind of, like, ebb on the side of what what we think a dreamscape is. Like, that feeling is very, like, soft and cloudy and... Fuzzy. I don't want to say blurry, but I think fuzzy is kind of like what I see when I think of this song. Like everything's just like fuzzed out and it's like you're safe and you're you're like lucid dreaming, maybe. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. 
there's definitely some com- level of comfortability with nostalgia, like, like there is with a dream, you know, you don't want it to be over. Yeah. yeah. I just thought that it was, it was when it came on, I was like, Ooh, yeah. I was like grooving mm-hmm. with it. I was like, this is good. <laughs> but it's also got this like kind of sad, like, sadness to it, but it's like, good yeah, music. you can't quite tell though. And I think that's like really funny is like, I just, I think it's the way that John tracked this is just perfect. I would, I'd love to know how many times it took to get this like particular vocal track because there's just something that's just like so magical and like evocative of the feeling of the song, like in his vocals that they just nailed it. And it's, Oh my God. Yeah. I just like, I've, I loved the song when the album came out. I haven't stopped feeling like the same way when I listen to it. I feel the same way they play it live and it's like, it is magic still. Oh, I would love, I would love anytime the main goes on. (laughs) I got to take you. Yes. And they're not from Maine. No. Which is (laughs) They're from Phoenix, Arizona. Was, yeah. Um, but when I, I was like, oh, I wonder if they're like a Northeastern band. And then I like looked it up and I was like, no, they all went to high school together in Arizona. Yep. They're a desert band. Um, and for a bit of background, I think it's important to note that they're a completely independently run band. They kind of, I don't, I think. Lovely Little Lonely might have been the first one that they did on their own, but at a certain point, they just realized that they didn't want to have to answer to a label, and they wanted to do all of these cool projects that the label was saying no, so they made their own label, and that's where they've stayed, along with a couple of other groups um, that they're friends with, but that's why they get to do what they want to do, because they kind of reorganized and made their own platform. Wow. I had no idea. I didn't know any of that. That's so cool. Super, super cool. I think, you know, when you have your vision and you know what you want to do, you need to make sure that you carry that yourself. And I really respect that about them. I mean, what they have now and what they've been able to do and for the platform that they've been able to give their other friend bands, it's amazing. I mean, there's a lot to be said about taking risks and believing in yourself and your team. Yeah. And that's real art right there too. Like that's when you put yourself in a situation where you're like, well, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere or if anyone's going to respect me for doing this and like dropping my label and doing my own thing. Like that's, that's where real art I feel like is truly created. Yeah. I think you're absolutely 100% correct. So tell me if any other things struck you on this album. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have to talk about the first mm-hmm. song. Um, the, it is, I love, the first song is so important on an album and, and this song is such a great little introduction because it just like gets you right away. You're like, oh yeah, this is mm-hmm. good. And I love, you know, I love that it gives you something to visualize too. This is such a good, a feel good song, you know, being in the moment and like enjoying every moment of life, even the lows and the highs, as it says, as it says in the song. Um, 
And I love that it just kind of captures like this bliss of being at a show with someone and feeling so full of energy. And that feeling is almost indescribable. So to hear a song written about it. Is yes. Cool. And I think that there's a line in that song that's always struck me. Um, that's really interesting because you realize that he's saying in the crowd, all by yourself at a certain point. And I just mm-hmm. like love that. And the last time yeah. I did see the main, I was all by myself. <laughs> and it was just like such a cathartic line to hear and be like, I'm totally fine. <laughs> like, I'm really, really good right now. And this this is yeah. like bliss. Yeah. This song made me think of you because I know, I know you end up going to shows by yourself. And I think that's just so ballsy um you know and it's being at a show and being around live music is like your your home so you know it's where you're where you're comfortable but I immediately thought of you with that with hearing that line I'm like oh man like this just makes me think Jen just like bopping along um, they explain it perfectly yeah. I mean that's that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just, it, I love that you said, you know, it's very blissful. It's just, it captivates that like fleeting moment of freedom when you're like just dancing or you're, the hairs are standing up on your arms when you're listening to a song live that's like really moving. So I thought that that was cool. There is a line in this song where he says, um, singing Hey 19 somewhere in the crowd. And so I was like, oh, is Hey 19 a song by them? So then I searched it and it, and it isn't, but Hey 19 is a song by Steely Dan. Oh, I did not catch this line. I'm very interested in this story. Okay. So Hey 19, Steely Dan is like like a 70s artist. Yes. Your dad would probably be yeah. able to give us a good education on that. Yeah, he would know them for sure. Yeah, yes, he'd, he'd be like, yeah, I know them. <laughs> So I thought that was super strange. I'm like, I want to know more why he referenced that. Song. Yeah. Oh, that is so weird. Because they're not that much older than yeah. us. I think they're in their early 30s. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what is it about that song that made you put it or reference it in this song? It's like, it's, they're two very different. That's funny. Like, did you hear the song? Hear, hear yeah. Did you listen to it? Oh yeah. Was it a good yeah, feel good song? You'll have to listen Yeah, to I'll it. have to listen to it. And then John O'Colligan, please email us and uh let us know what that song means to you because Yeah. Or maybe I mean, maybe he's not even referencing that song. But he has to be. That's the only song called Hey Nineteen. And it's a weird mix mix of words. Like no one just yells like Hey Nineteen. <laughs> no. But now I will when I'm having fun. <laughs> Uh, what about you? What other songs? Well, I think I have to talk like? about the transition into um, yeah. into Bad Behavior because I think that sonically this album has a huge theme of transitions between songs and we see our first mm-hmm. major one and it fades out and it comes back like a boomerang. And I think that's so interesting yeah. um, that it... it knowing the context of the rest of the album, there is a point where it's going to kind of like slow down a little bit and you think it's going to be right then, but it doesn't. So it's almost like a, like a rest or like a pause. And then it just comes right back and you're still in this like very party tempo. Um, 
with Bad Behavior. Uh, great song. I mean, it's so fun. They've said this is one of their favorites to play live. I see why. <laughs> I I really like this song. When I listen to this album now, like there are some songs that I like skip, but this song I never ever skip. And I, I love that there's like this cheeky little like thing to it where it's like you're talking about these two people that are like flirting with each other and then they're like, you know, I can see them like smiling at each other all knowingly like, yeah, we're going to hook up. Like that's what I see. Oh yeah. I mean the line, I want to wear your lipstick. I, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it. It's really cute. A really cute way of um, kind of describing that that moment, that thing that like happens between two people when they're like at a bar and like sparks are flying and they're like, yeah, we're going to go home and like <laughs> yes. Yeah, it definitely captured the feeling of like being out in a in a really like yeah. amped up environment and I thought that was interesting. Like it's you can just like you said you can pinpoint the um the location and setting of the interaction that these like two people in the um song are having. What did you think of the video? Oh, that was the one where they it was like the tour yes. Okay. It's coming back to me. Um <laughs> it was like it was fun I think it was like kind of funny that they were able to edit all of these like touring clips together so it wasn't like just a live show video but it was like a partying live show video <laughs> yeah what did you think of that I was hopeful for something more interesting but now that you're saying that this is their favorite song to play live it kind of actually does make sense to sense that they chose to use live footage so I guess it does make sense but it's weird though because there's film of them playing playing mm -hmm. live but then there's also this kind of like like orchestrated lip syncing that's happening mm -hmm. where I don't know where they I can't tell where they are it looks like they're in a van but <laughs> but it, like singing to the mm -hmm. camera and I'm like this is strange like I don't know what they were like we just have to put a video together and like slapped it together and called it and it could have been I so wonder I like, if it if it was kind of like like who knows what fell through and that was like the the plan b mm -hmm. yeah possibly I don't know I just I was like you could have done more with this this could have been really I know cool. it would have been nice yeah, to see like a narrative even if they still kept it as a live video but integrated a narrative story uh set the scene there's you know we're at a bar we're gonna call this house of blues boston because i feel like this is the the atmosphere that i want the main is playing <laughs> they're playing then you have your two characters that are uh, maybe at the bar maybe in the crowd maybe you know they're in the mix but you have you have that yeah. story there, but they could also pan over right. to the main playing live. Ha ha! Right. Let's redo it. Let's redo yeah, it. That been <laughs> Ten year anniversary just when this album comes out. We're just gonna we're gonna be like we got it. Yeah. Um. The next little song. So it's lovely is next, and it's funny because I kept waiting for lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's our first little interlude. <laughs> Yes, I realized it was just a cute little instrumental moment. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then it turned 
it transitions so perfectly into Black Butterflies and Deja Vu. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was like, when you're listening to the album on the first run through, you hear you hear lovely and you're like, what, what, what? And then you get thrown back into Black Butterflies and then the, it kind of makes the rest of the interludes on the album make a little more sense. But this one definitely, I mean, it, it goes from party to lovely and you're like, whoa, wait. And it definitely, I feel like it mixes yeah. your emotions at that point. And that's one of the things I love about this album is it, you're like so up and down throughout yeah yeah well what i think is cool is and the story that's told or at least i can see a story being told in this album where he in bad behavior he like meets this girl at a bar and he's like oh man like you're really cute and the girl's like you're really cute too and then they like go home and hook up and then he's like oh shit i have feelings for this girl <laughs> slow <laughs> down <laughs> yeah and that's kind of where I feel like Black Butterflies and Deja Vu is. He's, just, he's now like, oh, you know, he says, I couldn't help but think mm -hmm. of you. And how he's like waiting for the right words. Like, how does he tell her about the unexpected emotions that came from something that was supposed to be, you know, a oh, I love stand. that. That's such a good interpretation. And it works because you get the panic at the beginning of the song when it, it fades in with the what, 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 what. That's good. That's a, that's funny to look at. I just, I, I feel like I've just always looked at the song in like the deepest possible way. And it's fun to look at it being like, not that it doesn't like mean as much in that situation, but like in the timeline of, of like a new relationship, it's, it's kind of cool to look at it as a, um, oh my God, I caught feelings. Perfect. So this was the first song that they released from this album. So this was the first thing I heard, um, and I loved this song so much. I cried on the green line. I probably had sunglasses on, just like, just a little bit. <laughs> I was just like really, really overcome, and I I still think this song is so beautiful, um, and powerful. So it's always just like had this very, very like. The, it just struck the deepest part of my heart and it, it just had that feeling has never faded oh it's it's just like I think it's an important song and I, I love you know what would you say if you could say everything you needed to to the one you needed to like what a line oh my god but just as simple as I lose my voice when I look at you like everyone knows that feeling yeah, I I think it's a really beautiful, beautifully written song too. Yeah, it's I love that it has so much meaning for you. That's so cool to to hear how a song can really affect another person. Yeah, so. and this is I mean, it doesn't happen to me all the time, but this is one of those that I remember like how I felt when I heard this song, and I think it is like just so poignant with me. I love that there's songs like that. Like sometimes you need to feel yeah, that yep. feeling, you know, when you like crave feeling that like, um, like sad, whether it's sadness or happiness, whatever. And you're like, oh, I know just the mm -hmm. song for that. I feel like this is the, that. Song it's very cathartic. 
And I wonder if I'll feel that way forever when I hear this song. And I think I might just because it's so imprinted, like in me that way, but it's beautiful and I love it. I, uh, no qualms. Doesn't make me totally mm -hmm. sad. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we, we have taxi that comes next. This song. I mean, I, I bleeding from black butterflies and deja vu and thinking of this as the unexpected emotion that comes from, you know, sleeping with someone. Um, taxi to me is the confession of sure. those feelings. Yeah. She's, you know, they're sitting in the back of the taxi. She's like, I'm lonely. And he's like, you'll never be lonely again. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> he leans, you know, he leans into her in the backseat of the taxi. And I love the line, two punch drunk souls all tangled in the wind, which I think the girl is saying like, we're just caught up in our feelings and we're only confusing our feelings. And he's like, no, we are in love. Well, I think he's also saying yes. like, and we'll be lonely together, which yeah. is wild. Yes. Did you watch this video? I did. Not what I expected <laughs> I don't think it's what anyone expected. <laughs> I was like, this is totally not what I heard listening to this song or expected listening to this song. I'm like... Oh, I'm like, wait, what is he doing? Wait, does he have money? <laughs> well, so you got your narrative. So take us through. Take us through uh, the, the basic premise of this piece. He basically, I, I, he's caught up in some shit. And he ends up, I, this was the first video I watched. She robbed someone, mm -hmm. right? Yes, he robbed somebody. They put on, he's like in a car and he's like, he seems like he's like all hyped up on drugs or like, something and he's like puts on a ski mask and then he goes and rob like him and a bunch of people rob people and then he gets into the backseat of a taxi and then this girl is driving and he like looks into her eyes in the rear view mirror rear view mirror and he's like flipping through the money that he just <laughs> stole and goes into this like dreamlike moment where he's imagining himself with this woman that he's like that's driving the taxi and then he comes to and he's getting arrested because the woman who's driving the taxi called 911. <laughs> and I was just like, this, this is, this is mayhem. This should be it, a movie. It was definitely, it looked like a movie because then you have the whole part where he ends up like in a back storeroom and then it kind of looks like it's a little yeah. mafia-esque at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then they cut his yeah. fucking finger off. <laughs> right. And honestly... Go John O'Colligan because he acted that scene really well. The one where he's just gripping the bathroom sink and he's in that just like really yeah. just like overhead, awful lighting. Things are bad. <laughs> he's like, you know what would be really cool? If we put out a video for this song that has absolutely Exactly. That's that's exactly like the only way you can explain it. <laughs> yeah. But it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was definitely a mini film, a short film. We got Do You Remember, which I don't have a lot to say about. Me either. Song, it's a filler. It is a filler. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of enjoy it because he's talking about 23 was like a carefree sort of moment, but then all of a sudden, like life slaps mm -hmm. you in the face. And I kind of feel like 
sometimes the beginning of 23 you're like okay yeah like things are great and then the other half of 23 you're like oh my god this yep. sucks <laughs> so i think that's what this song was like it's you're being hit in the head <laughs> with reality it's true though it is a weird transitional age so i think yeah i mean that's it's an ode to 23. So then we have our second interlude for Little. And then we have um, The Sound of Reverie, which um, I wrote down that this song crawls out from under the little interlude, like the way it emerges. Oh. Yeah. Yes, it does emerge really well from Little. Yeah. That set of guitar chords that it starts with i think that's where i kind of got this like this crawl from mm -hmm. it's super cohesive it's it's really constructed well with those the tra all the transitions in the album this was a stronger one though but yeah yes i agree this one is definitely a stronger one i like that um i didn't know what reverie meant so i had to look that up and it means being lost in your thoughts so I enjoy that the song is reflecting. I, I feel like he's reflecting on this love that used to be like, it's as if he's really grasping for, for any part of this, you know, doomed relationship to hold on to like, he yeah. knows it's over. And, um, but you know, he also wants to remember what was good. I mean, um, the very first line is let's fall back in love with the world and who we are and do the things we talked about and never did yeah. before. Oh, that's heavy. Yeah, this is a really strong. Yeah, it's and I've always thought of Reverie as like a nighttime association for some reason. Um, like you see a little moonlight. It's it's not pitch black, but it's it's nighttime. So I, I have this like nighttime association with this song for some reason. I just like picture night sky. Um, so it makes that's it even cool. more like dreamlike or like a wishful hope like you said like it's you're you're holding on to this thing but you're looking back and you're almost like restructuring what really happened or you're you're doing the what if thing you're doing the the thing you're not supposed to do where you're like oh, but like what if we did the things we talked about but never did before <laughs> i thought of something for this that i feel like you'll be really on board with um, I don't know what made yeah. me think of it, but it kind of makes me think of the scenes from um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind where Joel's memories are being erased and he's like trying so desperately to hold on to them staying that him and Clementine end wow. up doing different. They end up ugh, reacting to these scenes differently than, you know, they, the memory, like they, he kind of pulls them both out and they're like outsiders trying to like preserve this memory, but it's just being pulled away True. because the line that says, don't think because you will just like made me think of that so much. Like, isn't that? <laughs> it's great. I think That's it. <laughs> I have to re-listen to this song and think about that now. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Great, great thoughts there. That's Kaufman awesome. needs now, to do that. He needs, needs to go back and they need to remake this movie, but not change anything. And then uh, figure out how to stick the song in there. 
Yeah, I feel like he's too pretentious to use. Oh, yeah. But I would love him to. He would never. (laughs) Well, now I'm going to have to listen to that song and think about that. Schedule a therapy session after (laughs) because it's going to be really hard. (laughs) I'm going to need a good cry session. Yeah, that's like a shower beer. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So then we have Lost in Nostalgia, which we covered that but I think it's it's kind of funny that it falls under or after the sound of reverie and everything in that it it just like kicks you into this dream state which makes it even more powerful because you're you're then kind of like really just like floating on some good drugs at that point oh yeah wow that's yes like medicated because you're so sad yes exactly (laughs) Um, I think, you know, it's funny. So the next song, I only want to talk to you. Um, I immediately heard High and Dry by Radiohead. I don't know if you've... I've never heard that song. I'm not hugely familiar with Radiohead, actually. Yeah, I don't really actually enjoy them that much. But that song's, like, I think one of their more popular songs. And the beginning of... I only want to talk to you. I was like humming. Oh, dry to that, like in that instrumental moment. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is literally. And then, you know, what was interesting is when I was reading about the band, about the main, um, a lot of people say that they have like very nineties inspired, a very nineties. Yes, feel I agree. Them. So I it was interesting that, I picked up on that. So Hmm. that was cool. I wonder if there is like a direct connection, maybe in that house that they recorded um, LLL in, they were jamming some Radiohead. Maybe. Now I see these are the things I need to know. (laughs) I know. We really need to do some follow-up. So the main, uh, please call us. We have some questions. So then we have Lonely, Uh which is our third and final interlude. Yeah, and I mean the piano yeah. chords. So good. This song yes. is gorgeous. Yeah, it's definitely like the end. It's a it's a good closer on the interludes, I think. Yes. I agree. I think it really like you know wraps around the beauty of loneliness. Yeah. Yes, I you agree. Know, sort of like, wow, that's really beautiful that, to think of it like that. And then they they yeah. kind of like lead you out for how do you feel and i think how do you feel is kind of like you go back out into the light <laughs> and you like you shake yeah. it off and they're not like and now you feel better but you like shake it off and you like you're kind of on like a natural upswing mm-hmm. so tell me about the song cuz this yeah. is a i think this is an extremely strong song Yes. I, I mean, the, the, what he's saying is really important, which I love. Um, so, I mean, just the fact that he's really saying like, you got to check in with, it's like a check yeah. in with yourself. Like, Hey, you may be sad, lonely, depressed, but like, what's your condition? How can you really get yourself out of it and get back to living because you deserve it. And I think it's such a great way to end, to end the album, to be like, yeah, here's all life's shit. You know, it's horrible. 
you lose someone, you break up with someone, you have no money, you have no job, whatever it might be going on in your life, and you're sad about it, but, like, it's important to be like, yeah, you know what, this does suck, but, like, how do I get yes. myself out of it? I think the line, you are alive, but are you living, is a huge, like, check yourself at that point. Yeah. Yeah, even if you aren't going through something sad, like just that line in general, it's like, well, are you really living yeah. your best life? Are you really doing the thing that you want to be doing? Are you really telling the person that you love that you love them? Like, are you are you taking all the chances that you're supposed to be taking? So, yeah. Yeah. Also, the video, the video yes. is beautiful. Yes, it's, it's very interesting um, because I think – to to wrap up this album cycle, did you see that they threw a funeral for Lovely Little Lonely? No. They have done this. I don't know if they did it for American Candy, but they just did it last weekend for um, You Are Okay. Uh, they did it uh, like a stream. Um, but for this one, when this album cycle finished and they knew that it was like time to move on and record the new album, they uh, they threw a one night funeral in Maryland, um, <laughs> and they had started this like weird trend that they kind of paired a color with um, an album. So they would all come out in like a certain color from here on out. They've done this for all the other albums. So lovely little lonely ended up being red. Um, so that's why you see all these red flowers okay. in the how do you feel video. Um, and then for the yeah. funeral, they had everyone bring a red rose and they like threw them on stage and they had like a Ooh. casket, like as you went in and like with some like cool signage and they just like threw this like ceremony to end this album cycle. Wow. And I just think that's so wildly like powerful. <laughs> That is crazy. That's cool. What, like, what a, no, I mean, I, no one has ever done that before. It's definitely a weird one. I think it's a, it's a very cool one, but yeah. it's not something I've ever heard of before. <laughs> a funeral for an album cycle. Cool. <laughs> so, I mean, the album started with a poem that John O'Colligan, the lead singer, wrote. He he does a lot of poetry um, under the name John the Ghost. So he wrote this poem that goes, the lovely little lonely stole all the dark away from the night. And then when they finished this album cycle and they announced this funeral, they put up, lovely little lonely is dead. The roses have all wilted and in rolls the gloom only to bloom again soon. Wow. You know what's really funny is the last thing that I wrote before I started writing about Haim about this album is it's a Shakespearean pop. Oh my god! Novel. Wow. Without even knowing that he had poetry, <laughs> I wrote that because <laughs> that's how I. He, I guess, it. yeah. I mean, like in modern in the scene, he is definitely the modern bard. John does a lot of like weird poetry. I feel like really leans into the poet-ness, like the, the identity of being a poet. Um, so you, we get some cool lines like this and then we get some cool extras. Yeah, that's it. The main, <laughs> the Shakespearean pop punk band. <laughs> I, I love it too. It. I'm glad you love this <laughs> album. I think I would recommend this yeah. to anyone. 
yeah thank you for sharing it with me because it it yeah it's good it changes you it, it's one of those pieces that changes yeah. you yeah and i love that i have it as part of like my you know how i'm just like what do i need to vibe to like it's part of my you know yes <laughs> all right Woman in Music Part Three blew me away. Like I said earlier, it it um it caught me. I loved the whole thing, and mm -hmm. I thought it was well. I thought it was interesting that you said that it might be a little like tough to listen to in one go, because I actually found the opposite. But I think that's because I came in as as a a new listener. So I, mm -hmm. I just was able to like yeah. rip through this whole thing. And then I think I started listening to it again and again and again. And it just like, I just wanted this to be just like a continuation. Yeah, that's a really great way to describe it. Because as soon as I did like separate myself from old, mm -hmm. old time, you know, and like my expectations, I was like, I need more of this. Like, I don't want yeah. it to end. And it is a pretty long album. I mean, so. this is an expansive piece. Yes. Yeah, it's a very long album. It's great, though. And that's funny that you said piece. That's I wrote that. I'm like, this yeah. is a piece. Yeah, it's a, it's a separation, <laughs> definitely. I think this is like an intentional collection, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. Because yeah. it, it kind of seems like they just had a lot of things that bled into each other from before. So I like that they have this like very separate thing. I like that they went with the the woman in music thing. Um, I often hear uh, a lot of very stupid um, interviews that are, you know, they start right off with, well, what's it like to be? a woman in music, what's it like to be the only girl in the band, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, often you hear yeah. these people say, well, I, that's all I know. I don't know what you're looking for. Like, it doesn't matter. So yeah. I, I appreciated that, that just yeah. like, kick in the face Me to media. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I know. I, I love that. And especially kind of to be, you know, these are these, the really cool thing about them, about Danielle, Esty, and Alana, is that they are, they can play every, almost every instrument. Like, they can, they can play guitar, they can drum, they can sing, they can play bass, they can do all of these incredible things. And there's, like, this stigma with that. Like, oh, it's a girl yeah. playing a guitar, or it's a girl drums. And... I just love how bad yes. they are. Yeah, I like yeah. that they're like, well, it doesn't matter because I can play anything. So we can talk about the music or yeah. <laughs> what was your gem? Gasoline. So I, this is yeah, definitely my favorite song on the album. But also, I just think it's so cool. It's so sexy. The funny thing about this is that I was, I was reading that Alana... Um, the younger one, the youngest one in the band, she said, I think there were parts of the song where we were feeling <laughs> sexy as we yes, were writing. Yes, you can, yeah, that's <laughs> right, that, like, translates perfectly. Yeah, 
And I mean, it's a song about like wanting someone and like needing them. Like a car needs gasoline. Like well, and gasoline. As soon as you light it up, it's lit. Like it is on fire. It's yeah. fast. It's intense. That is not a fire you're gonna put out easily. Gasoline. Like it's it's like I need you, but also like, bam. Yeah, I know. It, it's sort of like this reckless behavior. Sure, like, like a quick thinking. Don't play with fire and gasoline because. Yeah, blow up. So, but you have no time yeah. to think because your line is just lit up, and you just are like gasoline. Yeah, I love that she she says um, Danielle sings. I took a drag, but I shouldn't have. Now I'm coughing up like I coughing coughing up like I never smoked a pack. And she's like, that's like someone saying like shit. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have slept with you, but now that I did, like I'm like. I'm addicted as if I never knew. Well, and I felt like that was also a line that signified that like this one tripped her up. Like she's done this before. Mm -hmm. Like why, why is she acting like she's a newbie? Yes. Yeah. Like why is this different? Such a jam. I also, I also love, um, you did me bad and I did it back. You needed ass. What's wrong with that? And then, you know, I just think it's like, so like just, so good like you know I don't know just the way that she's writing about it is like she's taking back that like well I need it too kind of attitude and then just the breakdown though oh man like with that like hi-hat and she's like we're watching the sunrise mm-hmm. from the kitchen counter you can you can lie in between my mm-hmm. legs it doesn't matter and I'm like this is so <laughs> good Yes. Well, I'm glad they wrote the song because it is very much like to go with the woman in music theme. It's very much like a nice play of like, yeah, I'm a woman and I don't have to act like demure or whatever. And Mm -hmm. like, I also feel like this, I mean, I don't know a ton about their old music, but I kind of feel like this was a risky song to write exactly how you feel and not polish it off and make it more tolerable Mm -hmm. or acceptable. Yes, for sure. There's never been a song like this that they've written before where it's like very much about. Yeah. Good for them. I'm glad they did that then. Yeah. So my gem was now I'm in it um, because the video and the song are just perfect together I have watched the video multiple times because I still am like, God, they just did it so well. So to lead anyone through the video that hasn't seen it, you start off with Danielle um, at a bar and she's kind of, you get these midday vibes and she's sitting at the bar and she looks miserable and uh, she tumbles out of the bar and presumably last night's going out clothes um, and she kind of like meanders her way to her day job. So she like goes into a diner and throws on a little waitress outfit and does like a terrible job being a server and then uh, kind of stumbles out of work and uh, they throw her into a thrift shop at one point. She changes her clothes. It's, I, I think the transition for that's kind of fun. Like, you know, she blatantly yeah. does a costume change, but the way they do it is funny. Um, but she's, you're looking at her and you're like, oh my God, this girl is such a mess. Um, and then she kind of tumbles out onto the street and takes a fall and 
uh, here, Esty and Alana come along and they have Danielle on a stretcher and they're in these matching, like <laughs> matching, like dark glasses and like blazer kind of outfits. And they're like bringing her, they're like carrying her stretcher, like they're shuffling downtown LA <laughs> and they, they bring her around to a fence and they kind of like pass off her stretcher to someone. And then you realize that they have like put her in a car wash. So essentially everyone in the, um, in the video story is treating her like a car. So she's walking through the car wash and they're watching her from the inside. Um, and then you have this moment that she's kind of in the middle of the car wash and she's like really broken down and not doing well. And both sisters make an appearance in this like fog dreamscape section um, of the song. And they kind of like put a new shirt on her and like get her like a little cleaned up. And then you like it flashes to this next scene and the three of them are just like power walking down one of the busy LA night streets on their way to a night. And you get this cheeky little scene where Danielle just looks over and looks right at you at the camera and breaks the fourth wall. And you can see that she's like better. She's present in herself. She's like ready to go. You know, she's got the support of her sisters. Um, and then they go into the bar and you see that both sisters kind of have someone to meet up with. And then Danielle just sits at the bar alone. And then it flashes back to the, but she's okay. I want to throw that out there. She sits down at the bar and she's kind of like, oh my God, fuck, I'm alone. But then she's like, you know what? Nope, I'm fine. And she takes a drink and just throws her shot back. And then they flash back to the car wash where she's in the middle of it, like wet and totally just like in it. And you have that last scene and it's, it's the, I don't have the line written down, but it's something like, I can feel the rain. I can hear the rain on the ceiling. I can hear it, but I can't feel it. And then it just cuts. Oh my God. <laughs> I loved it. Um, I just, I think yeah. the the pace of the song is really um, interesting because it is the song about having like massive anxiety to the point where you're just flat out with, you know, nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, but the song keeps moving. The song keeps just like moving you along. Uh, you get this section of very like raw and like powerful uh, par primal drums, which, um, is interesting mm -hmm. because Esty actually graduated with a degree in ethnomusicology, which means that she studied music of different cultures. Um, and her specialization is Bulgarian and Brazilian music. So I did read that you hear these kind of like, these kind of like primal drums and other instruments in some of their other work, but I thought this was showcased so well. Um, yeah. But yeah. man, yeah, I mean, this song really was just like, you know, they they have her compared to a car and it's easy to look at it that way because when you're 
in this type of like mindset, you're like, why don't I work right? And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they have that, that metaphor drawn out right there. It's, it's definitely like, I think it's a super relatable song. Um, it's a fun song, but it's like, wow. Yep. I'm not alone. (laughs) It's very good. You know, and I, I wrote for the song, this is Savage Garden. I knew I loved you. The song I knew I loved you by Savage Garden. This is literally so similar, not, not in the way like lyrics or what it means, but musically, if you have to go listen to that song after it is so similar because they use the same sort of like beat um, in the beginning where it's like that, mm-hmm. that, that the same, they use the same beat in that song. But yeah, I, yeah, this song is so good. I loved the music video as well. I definitely feel like it would have gotten anyone on the album if they were already like not yeah. sure about it. Yeah. I mean, that was just, I love it. I still, I hear it now and I still love it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you loved it. So we start with Mm -hmm. Los Angeles, which is just sort of like a, I'm bored of this place. I'm bored of this place, but I can't quite break away from this place, which is very much how I feel about Boston. So I appreciated that one. (laughs) I loved the line that is sung. That's like, I tried the winter there once. Nope. <laughs> when she's talking about New York. Um, yeah. <laughs> New York yeah. And I just thought that was like, I, I chuckled when I heard it. I just thought it was so funny. Yeah, I like that line. I also like the line, the guy at the corner gave me a lot, gave me a line and a smile. I know he was trying, but a line is a lie. <laughs> and I feel like that captures like a real sort of like jadedness overall with like with men, with the city, oh, definitely. With life. Yeah, this song is jaded. Los Angeles in parentheses, jaded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're, I mean, like, obviously they love it there, you know, it's, right. their, it's their home, but, but I like how anywhere you, you could be anywhere and you could feel like, oh my God. Like, I just yeah. Get and then you start place. thinking about it and you're like, oh, well, it's, it's the place I know. And you, you find these like weird things and yeah. it, it just is, especially when like a city is part of your identity, I feel like it's that much, you're like protective of it. And I feel like that's the way they are with yeah. Los Angeles because they did grow up there. They are Los Angeles kids. And especially for like the music and entertainment industry, it's usually not that case. People are transplants. So to be like an actual um, native Los Angeles Los, mm-hmm. Los Angelesian, Los, Los Angelino. Um, <laughs> I think that's what it is. Uh, then that's kind of crazy. That becomes part of your identity in this other way that people that went out to Los Angeles to find their dreams will never have. Yes, that's a really good perspective of that. So then we have the steps. I was going to say that this song and now I'm in it are really yes. similar to me. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. But yeah, this one's like 60s, 70s yes, rock. Yes, 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 yes. That's like I the guitar, like the one yeah. of it in the background along with the lyrics. 
very 60s, 70s. Which we know that is a huge pull for them that I just kept finding that in interviews that they were definitely like they were raised on Joni Mitchell and they, you know, ran around Los Angeles and kind of listened to music that their parents probably supplied to them. So. Yeah. But they do it in a really good way. You know, when there's some bands that they're like, oh yeah, we like, you know, they try so hard to have that 60s, 70s vibe because that's such mm-hmm. a big thing right now, especially the revival of Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Like people, you know, are really into that scene, into that vibe. But then you can do it in a way that's really good, like the way that Heim does it because it's embedded exactly. in their DNA. And then there's people, people who do it. Right. And, and it feels happy. like it is embedded with them. It's effortless almost. Because it's not, like, I, I can see the, or I can hear the passion there, whereas other people are like, oh, well, I know yeah. I should be doing this because this is what sells. But Haim isn't necessarily emulating anyone specifically. They just, are, they have that 60s, 70s aura to them. Right. Yeah. I agree. This song is so cool because at first I thought it was about like a shitty sort of like relationship situation. And then when I started like reading a little bit more about it, and then when I watched the video, I realized this song is actually about like the mm-hmm. music industry. <laughs> like this song is actually about them being like, every time I feel like I'm taking the steps, like you end up mad at me for something up for some or whatever she says, I forget. And then what they're really saying is like, well, we're, you know, we were, we were trying to adhere to your rules but then I couldn't do it right. And so here's this like sloppy fucking, you know, they're wiping their makeup all over their face. They're like just a mess, like <laughs> drinking out of a plastic bottle. <laughs> like, just, you know, and I, I feel like it's just like, a, oh, you want like, you know, and I love that they're wearing like see-through shirts. They're like, yeah, like you want sexy. Well, here's my version of sexy. Here's what you, here's what you're asking for. Like, I'm just, I'm a woman and like, sometimes I'm a mess and like, sometimes my makeup's all over my face and like, here I am. Yeah. It is funny how (laughs) a shitty relationship in the shitty music industry can really uh, be confused for one another sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's exactly, you know, what they were saying when they're just like, well, fucking here's everything. Like, eh, it's all I can goddamn muster up to give you yeah yeah i love it but i loved it it was done with such like commitment Mm -hmm. which i think is important that like they didn't just like get embarrassed but they did these ridiculous things and they truly held an air of like i couldn't care the fuck less and i loved that i did too i love that they were just like making themselves look ugly Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they were like one step away from like a, like a, well, I'll just fucking hack all my hair off anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like with the toothpaste and like, oh, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just so good. It was like disgusting too, which I also loved like watching yeah. them like brush their teeth and then like put the lipstick on over. Yes. <laughs> like the toothpaste still on their mouth. It was just like, yeah. oh man, we're in it. <laughs> yeah. But it was good it was such an important message yes yeah it was really good um i just loved the line every day i wake up and i make money for myself Mm -hmm. and though we share a bed you know i don't need your help yeah i loved that yes 
like how men think like oh you know you need me for more than just just a relationship you need me to make your money you need me to bring the you know bring the bread home like right I don't need anything from you I just need sex get in my bed that's it (laughs) (laughs) but I can do everything by myself yeah Yeah, I liked that it was a nice stance to see being taken (laughs) all right so then we have I know alone yes which was the first time song I've actually heard when I heard this song I was like okay because um Molly had put it on her coronavirus a playlist playlist um so it was even funnier to hear this song and realize it was an album that was released right now Mm -hmm. because it's just another one of those like weird songs that was written far you know before anyone knew this was going to happen in terms of the pandemic right um and but we get it now (laughs) Yeah. yeah it's very relevant yeah yeah I do like this song it's not my favorite my favorite song because it's very like very just like slow paced it's very just low I would call it yeah same it's a filler yeah it is good I mean it's like yeah but oh I do have to point out in this song when one of the lyrics is wake woke up at the wheel on the edge of town it all looked the same every mile, screaming every word of Both Sides Now, which Both Sides Now is a Joni Mitchell album. So, Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, there's there's the little nod to her, um, which I thought was cool. I, you know, I've listened to Joni Mitchell. I actually, one of my favorite songs of all time is on that album. Um, oh. But the, you know, what's interesting about this album, though, is it's the progression of relationship which put into motion really makes sense for visualizing like how the person felt writing the song and the line that I pulled. It's like, it's a story in a story. And I thought that that was so cool. Yeah, that is funny. Which is, I mean, that's such a big part of Los Angeles. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, A Case of You by Joni Mitchell is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's on that album. Okay. Hmm. She was never one that I, I don't even know if I could ever like even point out a song if I heard it. Um, like I remember her being in my mom's CDs, but like, I don't know. I just, yeah, she, she uh, missed that one for me. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. There, there are some songs that I just can't stand by her. Like there's some people who are like obsessed with her like she could do no wrong you know what I mean and I'm just like yeah whatever Mm -hmm. you know I respect her as an artist because she's influenced so many other people but but that song in particular I like I love which is a lot of a lot of the times that happens to me I like like one song by an artist and ends up being like my favorite one of my favorite songs and sometimes that is the truth and the way that like sometimes an artist will have this one song that is so separate from everything else they do. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the girls love Joni, so you're in good company, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Up From so, A Dream. Up From A Dream. Yeah. I loved this song. <laughs> I love that. I love the yawn. Yeah. <laughs> I love that it's a distorted yawn. It's great. Yes. Almost to the point where you're like, what? And then when you like, kind of think about it you're like oh she's yawning yeah yeah I like the pace of it um it made me think of like I think they even say like stuck in a loop but it made me think of like a continuous loop Mm -hmm. 
like a like a groundhog day kind of thing. Oh yeah. Like literally she keeps waking up from a dream and she can't like she just like can't get out of it. Yeah. Um but yeah, I liked this one. I thought I think this one's like a it's a bop. It's a it's a bop. It is a bop. The guitar solo in there is really mm -hmm. and like the distortion of it just is good. It kind of actually reminds me of how like jumbled sounds can get in your dreams. That's what I Oh. I kind of felt like it was mimicking that in a way, but. That's really interesting because there is a lot of sound experimentation going on with the production of this one. Yeah. But that is true. Yeah. That like sounds aren't so clear. And like, I mean, back to Eternal Sunshine, like pop culture will make that prevalent in their representation of dreams and like sleep environment mm -hmm. is like sounds can be so like far away and distorted. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. It's a good one. It is. I think it's one of the standouts of this album. Um, and then we have Gasoline, which we talked about uh, as your gem. I love that. <laughs> and then we've got 3 a.m. And I wrote. Which kind of bleeds right into it, it which is funny. I wrote, is this 1999 or what? I wrote. <laughs> I wrote different funky 90s feel. <laughs> it is though, like I could see the guy in the song wearing a fuzzy bucket hat, that like S so Club 7. Yes. <laughs> it's good though. I actually like this one a lot. I did too. It was so, so random. Like, yeah. And just so cool the way that they were like let's try something totally new and different <laughs> like okay yeah i i wrote down i like the risk because yes. i not even knowing much about them i knew this one was really really off the rails for what they usually do definitely also like this is also a booty call song like this is what oh yeah there's an interesting line you and i don't have to meet but it's fun to think we could on the screen <laughs> and in my jeans just make me feel good I'm like, is this a long distance, like phone sex, Tinder, like booty call? Well, I don't know, because then the guy is like, hey, I left a voicemail, call me back. So I kind of feel like the idea is being entertained, but there's no follow through. Yeah. I don't know. I, Which is funny. I couldn't tell like what the deal was, but I knew, I mean, I knew it was a booty call song, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. But potentially unrequited. I don't know. Oh, don't so then we have Don't Wanna. I love this song. That's so funny. This is my least favorite song. What? Okay, it did grow on me, um, but I think it's so fun. <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about the video, um, but that might have pulled on my heartstrings as to why I like it. Um, so in the video, they're running in a parking lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but that is the parking lot of the forum in LA, which they were supposed to headline in the middle of all of this. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be kind of like a made, I mean, headlining the forum, but also having that be like a hometown show. Mm. Um, and I believe this is their first time doing that or was supposed to be their first time doing that. That's a huge, huge, like career milestone. So the forum let them film the video in their parking lot instead. <laughs> so cool. I did not know that. So that's great. I'm glad that you 
knew that information were able to pull that in here i just that's i mean i was like okay the video like this should have been a lyric video because it there really isn't a lot going on but once i heard the story it made me change my feelings about it mm -hmm. that's cool and yeah actually now that you're saying that that's yes it def definitely does give a little bit more weight to the song and you know it's funny i think since you like this song you will definitely like old heim because this <laughs> is a very heim song like oh okay and when i was reading about the album they wrote this is classic heim and they said that it was one of their earlier songs that they wrote when they were writing oh so um i, I when i heard it i was like oh whoa okay like here here's heim i was like uh i just kind of felt like it was thrown in the album because mm -hmm. you know if someone was listening to this album and was like i can't like i don't if they had the same reaction as i did but they couldn't actually get through it this would be at least maybe one song that would save it for someone but then i gotcha. was like yeah but i don't want it i don't want it anymore you know like <laughs> i would like to have something else so but I, what was cool about that is, you know, I had come to the conclusion before reading about the entire album that this felt like a, a very Heim song. So something that I, that I kind of side noted because of the song was something I really enjoyed about really diving into these songs and these albums and in dissecting them is, you know, because these are artists I love and listen to, I'm surprised and happy to realize that I'm identifying things about their sound and their writing style. Like reading their track by track notes is really fun after I dissect the album because I'm comparing my takeaways to their descriptions and some of them are super spot on. And I'm like, yes, cool. Like I yeah. didn't even realize that I was already doing that unintentionally, you know? Yeah, like they've got you trained to, to think like them, which is really cool when you get to that point with an artist. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess you weren't the only one that felt this way because so sometimes I send songs to um, my dad, Brian Evans, um, <laughs> <laughs> because I can never pinpoint what he's going to like. So I think it's this fun game that usually ends up in him being like, eh, I don't really like this one. But sometimes he'll be like, I loved this song. Okay. Um, so I sent him Don't Wanna yeah. and I was like, oh, I think he'll like this one. It's like the it's got a good like chills kind of like you know it's got that like 60s 70s thing like a heim thing and he was like yeah no life <laughs> <laughs> so i i just think i don't know i think the song is so fun yeah um this song was definitely like fun in the car um like <laughs> one of the two times i've had to drive a car during this whole thing but yeah i guess it's just me that's fine <laughs> no, that's okay. That's totally okay. <laughs> I love I love that you liked it. It's fine. All right, we have So we have Man from a magazine. Oh. Or did I skip? Oh, I skipped. I skipped. No, it's okay. Okay, you go. Another try, which is like Rasta Island beat. I mm -hmm. Yeah. I dig it. I really do dig it. It's a really fun like experimental song to me. It sounds like they wrote the lyrics and then they were like, okay, how do we make this fun? <laughs> 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 and 
My favorite part of the song that I find really cool is the breakdown when she's when she sings um wrapped up in your fleet in your old fleece. I put it on Oh yeah. Sleep. And then when I call and I can't reach you, worried about uh, what she say, worried that it makes me look weak to you. I'm like, "Oh, that's a really those are really cool lines like that like you want to hear from someone and you miss them, but then you're like, oh, I don't want them to think that I'm not, like, strong enough without them, you know? I thought that was cool. Yeah. I thought that was super relatable. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, like, we've all been there. Yeah. How did you feel about leaning on you? Um, there's a great Shania Twain country twang to this song. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually really like that. I think it's actually really done well. The guitar reminds me sort of, like, a 70s sing-along. I, I enjoy it, and I'm hearing their voices blend, and some of the melodies and choices that they make with how they use their voice. I I really love the line, was I fearless at 17 years old, or was I just faking it? I was just a kid leaving home. Now I get scared for reasons I don't know. Is it just because I ain't tough enough being alone? So I thought, wow, like she's like, you know, what a really amazing reflection of like fearlessness that comes with youth, then slowly developing like crippling anxiety as you get <laughs> older. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. And I'm really glad you pulled those lines because it is quite interesting that she is, she's questioning it in the vein that she can't even remember how she felt when she was 17. Mm-hmm. And me too, girl. Um, I, I think about that sometimes. Like I try to think back to a certain like age or like point and I try to like like I can remember things, but I try to like remember how I felt and like I can't always tap into that now. Yeah. And I don't know if you feel the same way. Like I just like I I am like, wow, I feel like I'm watching that person from the outside. Yeah, I think it's a really relatable thing that, you know, when you're you're young and you are doing something, going somewhere, feeling something, going through something, whatever. It's hard to remember what it was like to be in that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And this nails it. I mean, it's true. And it, it, I, it is weird how we can be like far more fearless mm-hmm. when we're younger. And like, you look back and you're like, Oh my God, well, I did that when I was young. And like, I would never do that now. Like, yeah. Not even, like, because my, you know, I have a better understanding of, like, decisions I shouldn't make. But, like, just, like, emotionally, like, charged things that you might have done. You're like, oh, well, I would be embarrassed to do that now. But I wasn't at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I also just love the overall sentiment of the song. I felt like it was a very, like, a very sisterly song for them to write. Like, that's what I heard from this song was them just being like, yeah, we like did it. We've done these things. These things were like crazy in our lives. And I did this thing when I was 17 and whatever. And then I, you know, came home and thank God I had you. Like, Yeah. It's part of the, like the positive woman in music-esque theme, I think too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about I've Been Down? So I liked this one. Um, it, I don't have a ton written about it. Me either. Um, but like I, I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> it has I, a good like I I sing along to it. 
I wrote Cheryl Crow. Yes. <laughs> yep. I was like, oh, this is really interesting the way that it kind of like, she's like, I don't know. It was like, there's something off about the song. Like just the way that she's singing and like the rhythm she's using. No, it is exactly that. It's the way she like, it almost becomes spoken wordy yeah. when she kind of like, you're this pictured as like the spaces in her words, you know, become like less uh, spaced out. So they like, you know, kind of go together. And then also you get this like drawn out chorus with her singing, I've been down, but you get these like weird little story snippets that are like, kind of like spit out in one take. Yeah. And that's a very Cheryl Crow style Waited like that's just like kind of her air and what she does. Right. That's really funny. Yeah. I mean, head on the nail. That's it. <laughs> <What do you laughs> that's that's a Cheryl Crow cover. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Oh, that's cool though. Woman in music. <laughs> yeah, I I love the little saxophone solo at the end, as you turn yeah. into the next song. I thought it was cool. This to me also the song's like very like a therapeutic reflection of just being in a rut. Yeah. You're just like, oh, well, fuck, I'm down, man. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Man from a Magazine. So I'm glad they wrote this song. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> there's a line in there. Um, and uh, it's very, I don't have it written down. Do you? Uh, <laughs> about, what is it? Like, do you always make that face in bed? Oh, 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 yeah. No, it's, I don't. I don't have that written down, but no, I know what you're talking about. Because so that happened. Yeah, Did you know that. Yes. Yeah. And then the interview with Esty. Yeah. Because yeah, she, they asked if she made her base face in bed. Yeah. Yeah, and she kind of just like laughed it off, and then later on, she was like, "Wow, that was really shitty. Like, I would have gone back and said something like different, you know." So yeah. Yeah. So fucking uncalled for. Just like. Why, the, why do you need to bring sex into it? It's just annoying. Because it's like, I feel like some people in that industry, that media part of the industry, know that if they ask a certain question to a certain person, that they're going to freeze enough to just like entertain that question without them turning around and being like, interview over. Mm-hmm. And I just, that is so gross. Yeah. Like, and disappointing. Um, it made me think of um, Carrie Brownstein, who uh, is a comedian in Portlandia. And mm. she used to, or is, I think they're like kind of coming back. But uh, she she's a member of Sleater Kinney, um, the 90s band. Mm -hmm. In her autobiography, she writes about how she was outed in Spin Magazine uh, early on in the career. Um, her and the bassist, um, her and one of the other band members, like, kind of dated in the 90s, like, when this, you know, when this band was happening. And the uh, writer did an interview. It was, like, one of their first major, might have been their first major interview, actually, which is really sad. Um, and I don't know if he asked I don't think he asked them and they said yes he must have seen something or heard but like he wrote an article about how they were girlfriends and that's how both of their families found out wow um and everyone else but 
That's uh, they, yeah. And that's, I just think that's like this garbage shit that like happens to a woman in music. Right. I mean, and it's not even just like media, it's like fans and other bands do some garbage. Like we have often, unfortunately seen stories of like fans jumping on stage and like bear hugging people. Like that definitely happened to Haley from Paramore. There's like videos out there that she's on stage and someone is able to like get on the stage and come from behind and like this big guy just like wraps her in a hug and she's like, what the hell is going on? Security have to come in and take him off. Yeah. Um, there was an incident where someone jumped on stage and kissed Brianna Collins from Tiger's Jaw uh, years ago. Um, and that was garbage. It's, I mean, it doesn't matter your gender. No one should be touching you. And I think that's absolutely insane. Right. But it seems to happen to uh, women a lot. Yeah. And it's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. I think this song is just like one big fuck you to that, like, idea that, you know, you're attracting this unwanted attention and, like, unneeded attention. Just inappropriate attention that, like, you know, don't treat me like I'm some thing other than a person wanting to play music and like don't objectify me yeah 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 it's like women in music becomes this like weird exciting thing that people really like to like dig into and separate yeah and like, it's like no i don't know why we're kind of the same playing field as everybody else like we're all just trying to do the same thing like it doesn't matter don't make me any better or any worse just because i'm a woman like, right. Yeah. I um also love that the word cunt is in this song. Like, <laughs> yes, that out. Like, sorry to anyone listening with children at home. But um, <laughs> I've never heard any song. I, I can't think of any other song where someone has said cunt. And no, it's in reference to what she was called, though, right? Yeah. She's talking about how she's like, you know what it's like to be. What does she say? She says. Um, I forget the exact line, but she says, like, you don't know what it's like to be the cunt because you're telling someone to fuck off for, you know, giving you attention or, you know, whistling at you or ignoring someone at a bar who's trying to hit on you. Like, you, as a woman, always end up being the cunt in the situation. And so yeah. um, I love that she's, like, kind of taking it back. She's just, like... I, I love it. It's just like these pressures and expectations and behaviors and, and you're the one who ends up being the cunt. How does that make any sense? Well, I like that she used it because it sheds light on like people acting just ridiculously and inappropriately because if you've, you know, if you've ever been in that situation, you know that as soon as you, say that you're uncomfortable or you say that you're not interested or you say that it's not okay mm. it just like evokes this huge emotional response from like the guy in question and like it to the point where they will throw out like i just feel like the worst thing you can call someone is that and that i've seen that thrown around i've had that thrown at me like for 
for just turning down yeah. men. Yeah. So I'm glad she said it because it, it is like it shouldn't be this like secret shame that you have to like hide with. It's like, no, like that's what they decided to call me. So uh yeah, like everyone should know. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's a very, very good, strong feminist song. Love it. Yeah. It's a brave song to write. One cool thing about this song though is that they did record it all in one take. And I like that because it just gives it such more power than you know recording it in sections because she's like no i'm gonna you know i'm gonna sing this song it's gonna come out the way it's gonna come out and it's gonna be raw and it's gonna be whatever it is and that's how it's gonna be and like i'm not gonna go back and edit it i'm not gonna do anything it's just this is what it is so wow i love that more of a that's like a straight up response yeah. too yeah yes Whew. well we have all that ever mattered um i like the scream in the the background you get this like weird scream and i think the song is like about loss and anguish so i think that is such an interesting choice yeah i you know it's the song to me like it's very chaotic and experimental which is i respect the hell out of it but there's like this drudginess to it that's almost this is this is what this was a song that was hard for me to listen to because i was just like okay like all right and it's like getting to the end of the song because it's not like very pretty, you know. No, there's nothing pretty about it, which is great because it represents the feeling along with it. To your point, but um, yes, the scream in the uh, in the um, in the chorus is good. Um, it's it's almost like distracting to me, but it it is it is like jarring. Yeah, but it's necessary. Well, and the synthy like beat of it all just reminds me when you're just like trying to like ride a bike uphill. Yeah. So the song makes me think of like you're just like pushing through. Wow, yeah, that's that's really good imagery there, yeah. And it but it makes me like feel like there's mental work in there too. Like because I could just like I don't know, the whole like I'm I'm like this is molasses. I'm like pedaling through fucking molasses. Yeah. Um, so I kind of respect it for like making me feel that way. Mm -hmm. So we have F U B T. Do we know what this stands for? Fucked up but true. <laughs> <laughs> he it's fucked up but true. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The acronym didn't didn't click with me. That's so good. <laughs> Yeah, but we all knew because we were excited to say a swear. <laughs> now it's old news. <laughs> I love this song. Yeah, I like this one too. It's got a really good chorus. Mm -hmm. I think it carries that sort of messy, toxic relationship vibe too. Um, yeah. You know, like when you love someone, sometimes you have to, and you like, you let that toxicity become a part of what you love and then you know in some really self-deprecating way you crave any attention good or bad even if you're miserable and i think maybe that's what is going on here and just those first lines too like she says i kind of like it when you leave me at the party late because every now and then i want to feel that empty space and then she sings 
And baby, even though it makes me miserable, it's fucked up but true that I love you like I do. So she's saying like, mm. like I kind of enjoy this part of it because it's like the chase and like I, it's sick. It's kind of like sickening, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the point at the, like, usually the end of the relationship before it gets like real bad where you're just kind of like, yeah, we're doing this. And that's where you, you stay. Like, I feel like that's, you hear that, like, it's so much easier for people to stay in, um, relationships that don't necessarily fulfill them because it's easier. Mm-hmm. All right. Then we have, now I'm in it. What was your gem? And then we hallelujah. What a video. Yeah. Yes. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Yeah. Yep. This was a nice, like, homage to all of them. Yeah. And they said it was a sister song, like, that they had written it for each other, with each other. Yeah. And I love that all three of them get a turn to sing independently. And that's the first time that, well, maybe the second time that they've ever really done that. So. Well, they so like clearly visually feature it in the video that I think that it maybe stands more strongly. Mm-hmm. That everyone gets their own moment. You know, it's funny that you say that because I almost kind of felt like this was more Alana's song than anyone else's. But I think that I might think I might feel that way because I know that what Alana was singing about was like so close to her because she this so everyone's lines are kind of different like what hallelujah means to them and so alana is talking about how she had a friend a childhood friend who like died really young and tragically and i was wondering because i picked up on that but i couldn't tell yeah if that was in reference to a lost friend a friend she never had or um a, a death yeah it's a death and Oh. And I think, like, that may be, like, her lyrics and stand out more to me because I feel like Danielle's and Estes are more generic and, gen- or, like, more general, not as specific yeah. as something that happened in their, in, in their life. And just the imagery of, um, that Alana writes, she's talking about, like, running through the fields with our long hair or whatever that line is. I'm just like, ooh, like, mm-hmm. it gives me chills thinking about it. And so I kind yeah. I kind of felt like this was more her song to me. I think you're right. I think that's a, it's like her song with like the support of the two sisters. Um, this kind of flipped the script because visually this video has a quiet magic and now mm-hmm. it's almost like maybe it's a haunting. Mm-hmm. Not like a a bad haunting, but there's something spiritual yeah. um, about the the video and maybe it is more of like a like a literal spirits kind of thing than just the magic that i was um picking up on yeah well hallelujah in itself is you know a very spiritual word you know like it's right in christianity and catholicism you know that's so that's a really good parallel that you drew there between it being more of a haunting so that's cool i like that i hadn't thought about that well, and they're not in a church, but they're in a theater, which mm-hmm. could be just as much of a resonation yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah, I love that they that they filmed it. And the, the, the video is so beautiful. The play, the way that they play with lighting in the video is really beautiful as well. And they say that theaters are, like, 
especially haunted places um or like they're they're more magnets for imprints of energy because of like the the passion that happen in spaces like that Mm -hmm. so it is interesting to think of like a um like a presence yeah that was with them hmm I like that. Definitely, like, it makes it so much heavier when you know that it's a death, when it's, like, confirmed that it's a death and not just, like, a friend that she fell out of touch with. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely, there's a lot of weight there to it, which is cool because I think it just makes the beauty of it all much better. Yeah. And then last, we have Summer Girl. Yeah, and it's kind of a weird transition to there. But I do. Huge. <laughs> I, I almost feel like um, Los Angeles and Summer Girl are really are perfect openers and enders. Because it's just kind of like, you. it lands you, I think, in the same place that you started. Yes. Which is very much the Heim universe. Yeah. yeah. And this song was the first song from that they released from this album it was and it was released a while ago like before the name of the album was ever released and really before public knew that they were even working on a new album so this really always kind of stood on its own anyway yeah Hmm. i remember hearing this song like at work like over the radio i was like or the playlist that runs i was like oh that's weird that they're playing this song like and that was like last summer yeah, it is like a year old at this point, mm-hmm. which is funny. Like, it, symbolically, summer like that it was released last summer, and now they released you know the whole thing this summer, and it's kind of like aged summer girl. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if you know the the purpose, not the backstory. Yeah, the backstory. Do you know the backstory? It's very interesting. Please tell us. <laughs> so Danielle <laughs> shared that she wrote this song while she was thinking about how when her boyfriend had cancer, she had to be like this sunshine for him during a really dark time, which, um, you know, is super relatable. And, you know, anytime that you have a friend or a family member going through something um, or a significant other going through something horrible, like you kind of have to be that like, positive light for them because you can very easily be the person that brings them down and that can be really hard on a person so I I really enjoyed that she kind of turned that like you know being the sunshine into being like the summer girl like always always bringing like some sort of light to the situation so I thought I would have never ever got that from this song if I hadn't read about it but I thought that that was cool yeah, I think there's one line in there that could allude to it, but I still don't think you'd get it without the like clarification of the story. Um, she says at one point, walk beside me, not behind me. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such an interesting line to look at in terms of like, I'm not going to leave you behind. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. And I know that they said something. I think this song did start out as Sunshine Girl. Like, and the very beginning of it. And then they were like, maybe it'll be Fuzzy Girl. <laughs> Thank God they got Summer Girl. because <laughs> I think that's perfect. Yeah, Summer Girl works better. I really, really enjoy the line. 
the tears behind your dark sunglasses, the fears inside your heart's deepest gashes. That is mm. so good. Like you're putting sunglasses on, no one can see you cry, you know, and like you're, you know, you've got like wounds inside of you that no one can see. And I just thought. In the deepest places, like real, real valid wounds. Yeah. Gashes in your heart. Like what, yeah. what strong imagery. Yeah. And the video is cool. It's definitely not what I expected. I just thought I just thought that it was a, a cool little little video of them just like shedding their clothes down the street. <laughs> but never being able to completely shed it because they always have something else underneath. Yeah. And then until the end, they're like in their underwear. But yeah, which like I guess maybe symbolic for like finally free. Yeah, because I think he did recover. Yeah. So I think like now, and he's still with Danielle because she definitely refers to him um, as her like current boyfriend in the recent interviews. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I thought it was like a cute little album closer. It was good. Yeah, it's a good one. I I think this one I might show to someone that doesn't know him. Yeah, that's that's a good intro. Yeah, along with the video, I think that was kind of like I got a good sense of their personalities with the song mm -hmm. yeah i've got to talk about um you know i've got to share my like live heim story yes so we saw heim in 2018 they had a sister 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 tour and <laughs> <laughs> that's so good okay and um i was like I got to go big and we got VIP tickets and we had oh. really, really good seats and we got to go in before everyone else and we got bags, like these little tote bags that we still use today and um, just, you know, the typical, like your little lanyards, which I felt like such a badass. Um, <laughs> so that was awesome. And we thought like we had really good seats and we could see them really well. It was at the Aganis in Boston. And yes, such a good venue. I love that venue. And um, at the time, I, you know, so Lizzo was opening for Heim. And wow. Lizzo was opening? big at this, I know, was big at the time, but definitely blew the fuck up later on. But um, what was really awesome about Lizzo being there is the diversity of the crowd for Heim was oh, incredible. Yeah. Because you had, you know, you yeah, you had black people, you had like, you know, just like plus size people, you had just like eclectic mix of cultures there that were there to see Lizzo and stayed for Heim. So it was oh. a really, really cool experience. Um watch seeing Lizzo live, like I can't I still can't believe were you familiar with her yeah. when you saw her or was that like okay so you knew what you were kind of up for yes i did know her album that she had released before i knew a couple songs from it not everything um but she had these three women on stage with her that were just in total booty shorts and there was just so much ass <laughs> like, <laughs> i couldn't believe it um it was so fun so fun. She's just amazing. Obviously now she's just a queen, like always has been, but you know, now that the world really knows her, um, 
just so awesome. So I still cannot fathom the fact that I saw her. It's like almost like the Lizzo I saw then is not the same Lizzo that exists today, which. Yeah, what a bizarre show lineup. Yeah. Like, but. So was it just the two of them or was there anyone else? Just them. And wow. So, so um, you know, Hein got on, first of all, amazing stage presence. And it was the first time I've, I had ever seen them. And there's always that sort of anxiety when you go and see a band that you really enjoy and you wonder, oh, are they are they going to deliver the same feeling that I get from listening to their albums on stage? Mm-hmm. And they totally do. They're they're even better. So they all wore red, um, which was super cute. And um, at the end of the show, they brought Lizzo on stage and they sang a rendition of Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. But they yeah, okay. changed it to Girl Is Mine. And they oh. got someone from the crowd, like a girl from the crowd, to get up on stage. And they, like, danced on her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, gender bending. I was like, this is great. It was really cool. That's awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite experiences. Also, I had strep strep throat while I was there, but I didn't care. Oh, no. I was like, <laughs> I have to. I'm still going. I paid a lot of money for these tickets, so I got to go. Yeah, absolutely. Was, you just shut your mouth and keep going through the night. Yeah, I was so sick, though. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Man. Has that been the only time you've seen them? Yeah, it's the only time I've seen Okay. They didn't go on tour because um, that album, yeah, there was a ton, like 2018 to now, they didn't put out an album in 2019, so um, they weren't on tour. And before that, they were, they put on um, Days, put out Days Are Gone, I think was the name of the album, um, but they weren't like as widely known, so I don't know if they had tours or not. I, I don't even know. But yeah, that was the only time I saw them. Hmm. Well, next time we're good. Definitely, definitely have to catch them. Yeah. I mean, please, Universe, give us a high main tour. And uh, <laughs> that would just tie everything up really well. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was really good. That was a like such a good mix. Such a heart healthy meal. Yeah. <laughs> It was a good one. It was a good one. It was. Okay, I'm so, like, ready to hear what you have for me next. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, so um, you're going to be listening to Switchfoot's Nothing Is Sound. Oh, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, going back to 2005 on this one. Okay, that's amazing. Um, Hold on, Nothing Is Sound. Nothing Is Sound. Okay, cool. It's got a beautiful album cover that's orange. I'm so excited. Um, so that's great because I think that these two, <laughs> I think these will go really well together. Um, oh, okay. So I'm gonna give you "Transatlanticism" by Jeff Cabricuti. Oh, I've never actually listened to this whole thing together. Yeah, and. This- 2003 so we're going back like i love this yeah this is like the same chunk of time okay good this will be a good episode cool and i kind of want to preface too like i always around fall time kind of find myself 
heading back to Death Cab for Cutie. And mm-hmm. I revisit this album at least once a year, and it's always around this time. Um, and I don't know, I don't really know why. Maybe I'll discover that as I go through it. But um, yeah, but yeah, something always gets me there. But I, I'm super, super pumped because I kind of feel like these are perfect pairings too. I think so too, because I've always felt like Nothing Is Sound is a very um, like end of summer, beginning of fall album. Mm. So I think we're right there with them. Um, yeah, I. This is this is a good match. Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. All right. Cool. Well, we have homework to do, so we'll go do that. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Records. Editing and music by Emily McLeod and artwork by Jen Evans.